So welcome to this week's edition of the Retailist Podcast, sponsored by Alltag, and thanks to our supporting partner, Aura. Now my guest this week is Catherine McEwen. Catherine is the global lead at Working with Resilience, now spending much of her working week helping build resilience at work. Her curiosity in this topic has led her to write three books, research and public resilience assessments, and establish Working with Resilience. More on that in a moment. Her world-first approach to systematically building resilience at work is used by practitioners across 16 countries and in more than 115 university resilience studies globally. Now, it's derived from decades of experience as an organisational psychologist, coach and a mediator, working with leaders and teams across all industry sectors. Catherine's current focus is on how teams can sustain their performance in today's turbulent workplace. We know all about that and how to use AI and tech to scale solutions across organisations. Now, all very impressive. Catherine, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you involved. Now, before we get going, um, I am, however, fascinated about your journey. So let's go back looking at or maybe teenage years or those formative years at school. Was it always, um, you know, this this was the dream? Did you think, you know, working with resilience is my future or was there something else that you thought, do you know what, that's what I want to do when I grow up? Gosh, I'd love to say that at the age of five, that was my dream, you know, to make organizations resilient globally, but far from it. I, um, I, I was unusual in that I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an architect, but when I got to university, I found I probably wasn't going to be a very good one. And, um, you know, it was probably a bit like the three pigs, you know, Huff and Puff and the house would fall down because... I subsequently found out when I moved to psychology and started to do sort of career assessments, I just didn't have spatial reasoning. And I was also pretty bad at mechanical aptitude. Um, so it really wasn't really my thing. And I was lucky enough to do a sort of a rats and stats unit in psychology and thought, oh, this will be good. And right from the beginning knew it was the organizational piece I was interested in, not the clinical piece of psychology. So really interested in how do we actually help workplaces be the best they can be uh, right from the beginning I think of deciding I was going to be in psych. So so we, we've, we've established that uh, the disappointment of not not uh, having architecture in your future so it's quite a journey so where did where did it go just just talk me through the thread and through to working with resilience which is where you are today because I'm always fascinated how people go from this is what I think I want to do to a realization maybe of where the skill sets lie and then the little the little sort of waypoints along the way. Yeah, so my, my career has been quite linear in that I've always been an organizational psychologist, but the actual profession is amazing because, you know, if you think about retail, you know, it's every aspect of employee behavior and leadership and teams and culture, but also consumer behavior, you know, and customer engagement, you know, it's just everything about people. And so I've had a great opportunity to work with all sorts of organizations from big mining companies to call centers to, you know, your chicken factories. So it's really quite a, a, a fascinating journey. And, and I guess how we came to resilience was um, quite early in the piece, uh, I went and worked for what at that stage were one of the big five, I think there might be the big four now, and I learned to consult. So I went out at a very early age into consulting and around 15 years ago, I suppose it was, um, the word resilience was appearing. Um, it was fairly new in the vocabulary in workplaces and it was really around lots of change going on, lots of complexity. 
everything we came to know as VUCA, you know, the volatile uncertain and so on, uh, that acronym. And I was working at that stage in quite a number of um, organizations with which were really challenging organizations, um, health, um, um, child protection, um, police, ambulance, you know, work that was pretty emotionally grueling. And a lot of my time was in what we call the fallout, you know, so when you, you know, in your audience, they're doing investigations and they're, you know, worrying about their risk register around some of these things going on. Um, dysfunctional teams, you know, um, workplaces we might call toxic. And so I was getting pulled more and more into that sort of what we call in Australia when the when the proverbial hits the fan. Of course, we don't use the word proverbial, but uh, you, you know what I mean, that, that, that um, fallout end. So I became really interested in the flip side of that, you know, so how do we build the resilience of individuals and teams and leaders to create environments where we're going to get less of the downside, the fallout. And that then became um, a lot of the focus of what, what initially was a side interest, actually, um, in resilience and, and the beginning of the journey, way before it was, you know, sort of a really popular word, which it is now, of course. Yeah, interesting. You talking about that and and fifteen years ago, you you must have been you know right at the forefront of of that awareness, if you like. And you know, I guess impressive that a number of organisations were starting to to become aware because you know my perception, and maybe you'll you'll tell me otherwise, is that this has really just started to get traction and awareness. It's almost over the last 12, 18 months, maybe post dare we mentioned the COVID word um, when it's become apparent, but you know, you, 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 you know, you can't really have been pushing on an open door 15 years ago when you started to talk about it. I imagine it was quite a, a challenging and an innovative conversation then. Absolutely. And, you know, so when people started to use the word, you know, resilience, I thought, oh, I wonder what that actually is, you know, so that sort of sort of sparked my curiosity of the journey of firstly, how do we measure it? Well, what is it and how do we measure it? Um, and, you know, my version of it was very much um, a definition that fitted with the problems they were trying to solve, which was, we've got a lot of change, we need to be adaptable, pressures on the increase, you know, we've got more demands than we've got resources, things are getting more connected, more complex, you know, so this is way back 15 years ago, which is now described just about every organisation. And I think the turning point um, for this becoming quite a large part of the work I did, because it was a very much a side interest and a side hustle, if you like, was recognizing there were no measures at that stage of resilience at work and developing that, much to my surprise, actually, sparked a huge interest academically because academics were really interested in measures, of course, because you know that's how they do their theoretical and applied research. But also the practitioners, you know, they were like me, they were hearing this word appear, they were seeing these booker environments, they were looking at how do we support that. So having a diagnostic and supporting resources to actually look at that was something that was becoming really of interest, um, you know, right back then, and, and certainly pretty much everywhere now, as you say. Yeah, and it, I guess it feels like, you know, you've um you know got got the history got the backstory been there and worn the t-shirts a term that comes about you know as this yeah. is getting focused you're like okay well we've been doing this for for 15 years and uh, and you've got the expertise so um for those that don't know the business how would you describe what it is you offer 
how do you do it and why do you believe it's important in the workplace that that more and more organizations become aware of this yeah so um so we have this what we call a systemic approach to building workforce resilience so we have a measure of personal resilience collective resilience which is not aggregated individual resilience it's quite a different concept and leadership so we've got these measures and these resources and so my role is to actually support the research and the development of those resources so that people in my network can do great work in organizations like yours you know in retail so you know we have this network now who actually will do anything from working with individuals through to organizational interventions so you for example Paul might be you know a store manager who's really struggling maybe there's been a merger maybe you've got the team from hell maybe you've got the boss from hell you know so so working with you uh, in a coaching way to actually enable you to be the best you can be in the system pressures you're under then we have work with teams you know so again we might be a team that's going quite well but we know there's major disruption ahead you know how do we sort of prepare ourselves to adapt and thrive and be really proactive um, and then we've, of course, we've got people working on whole interventions. So we've got lots of people who work in house where they're actually trying to shift culture. So they're trying to say, how do we develop cultures that enable us to perform in these environments that are so volatile when we've got major, you know, competitor issues, market disruption, war, which affects our, our um, you know, our, our supply chains and so on. So, so it can be anything from working with you just personally um, through to let's actually try to get a resilient organization. And of course, you know, for your audience in risk, I mean, you're working on all the resilience of your cybersecurity, your infrastructure, all of those sorts of things. It absolutely makes sense that we actually do the same work with our workforce. Yeah, it's um, interesting. You know, so absolutely. Interesting when you're talking there, I was a flashback to the days uh, when I was actually running stores thinking i think i needed to have spoken to you then having uh, at one point uh had uh had a what you might have called that boss from hell so uh um yeah where, where were we at the time ulrich if you're listening then we're all good now but uh, yeah there you go um so, so so you know very very diverse sectors when you sort of get the phone call if you like or the email who would you say your sort of typical client is now and then i'm just wondering um are they actually the companies that you think need the help the most or you know what is there a do you look at organizations and think oh you really need to to, to bring me in but maybe they're not evolved enough and, and like i say first part of the question who is the typical client at, at the minute when they get in touch that's a really really interesting question because if you'd asked me that pre-covid i would have had quite a different answer because we were tending to get more of the organizations who were facing major change where the work was in, inherently difficult anyway, you know, maybe, you know, um, you know, lots of aggression or trauma or, you know, which, um, you know, which you guys experienced. But of course, what we've had is we've had so much disruption in the last three, four years that is not going away, that now everyone is interested in this concept. And who would have thought, you know, 15 years ago when I'm working on resilience with ambulance workers, that we would have people, you know, on a checkout having violence, aggression, you know, totally antisocial behavior that they have to deal with. 
you know, in childcare, it is sort of pretty much across the board now, which is really, really quite scary that the level of change and disrespect and pressure that people are under, we, I don't think we can differentiate anymore and say these are our typical organisations because I think right across all sectors, people seem to me, anyway, to me and, and the people I speak with, it just seems to be everyone, which is quite scary, really. Is that... Um... Is that because there is a greater awareness and and we've always needed this, do you think? No. Has the change no, is it is it the changes in the no. environment have really just made it become relevant? Absolutely. So I mean, you know, I'm I'm sort of towards the, you know, further end of my career. I mean, I never worked as hard as some of these people work now. The unrelenting pressure, the hours, of course, with COVID, which we're not supposed to mention, but COVID changed everything. Flexibility, work-life boundaries, um, the demands on leaders, the stakeholder expectations, whether it's the customers coming through your door or whether it's your boards, um, you know, who want their, their sort of shareholder values. You know, it's, it's pretty unrelenting. And then, of course, we've got the change. So we have, you know, a politician makes a decision in, you know, Russia and, you know, straight away that plays out into whether or not we've actually got our supplies coming through. So and all of that creates an additional um, demand, I think. So, yeah, so I, I don't. I think it's a changing world and it's really easy to say, oh, you know, we're a little bit less resilient now, you know, we've all got, you know, we're all a bit hypersensitive and, you know, princesses. But I think the demands and the shifts and changes are quite fundamentally different and, and worryingly, I don't think they're going away. I mean, I don't know whether you'd have a perspective on whether you're seeing them going away in your environments. I actually think the, um, they've probably got further to go. The, 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 you know, there's probably going to be more resilience required if you look at what people are facing day to day, the conversations um, that are going on. Um, I was recently at the NRF show in, in New York um, with lots of retailers there from all over the world. And, and the conversation was about, you know, there's more challenges coming online, day to day planning, demand. So, yeah, I think you're calling it right. It is you know, unprecedented is a is a widely used term, but we do feel as if, you know, the, the, there's more pressure to be built in the pot um, before things level out. So, uh, yeah, challenging, but also a little bit concerning, I guess. And, and you know, it's going to keep you busy for sure. And I love the way, you know, you, you mentioned unprecedented because I think unprecedented was the more popular, the, the first most popular word and resilience was the second. <laughs> so that, that hand in hand of, you know, this is stuff we've not seen before. It is incredibly disruptive. And the flip side of that is, you know, how do we manage to sustain our performance given all of those things that are actually going on and, and our threats, literally threats to, to our well-being performance. Yeah. Survival as an organization. Yeah, and, and maintaining performance there just is an interesting term that you used. I think that is the key, isn't it? How do we, in the first instance, you've got to maintain the level. Then, of course, everybody's looking to increase the level with all of those pressures and requires a new set of skills, I think, to uh, mm. uh, to be mm. able to achieve that because there are pressures coming um, that we've never experienced before. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, this awareness and this resilience terminology, it has made it into the... The mainstream it is something we see organisations 
trying to implement themselves, but also for their people. So, you know, it must have felt a lonely road 15 years ago. And now you've been sort of validated and vindicated, if you like, from those uh, early <laughs> thoughts as, uh, as as you get hurtled more and more into the mainstream. Yes, absolutely. It was almost like everything people were saying in COVID. I'm thinking, I've been saying this for quite a while, you know, the moment has come. So I think we, during that period of the two or three years, I think my network probably did thousands of free webinars um, supporting people through that period, looking, you know, with resilience um, um, focus. Yeah, you, you knew the earth was uh, round when the rest of us were still convinced it was flat. So, <laughs> I'd love uh, to be able to claim that one, but no. <laughs> so look, as part of this, I, I I did do some research. I noticed you recently co-founded uh, something called Click, which is sort of a, yeah. an app and a platform trying to sort of harness the power of teams and address this psych, uh, social risk. Tell me a little yeah. bit more about that. Where does that fit into the picture? Is that something that makes your life a little bit easier, supports the teams? Yeah, so Click is something really exciting for me in that, you know, one of the dilemmas as a practitioner is um, being able to sustain the good work that you do. So I might come out and work with you, you know, and you said you've previously been in a store manager role, you know, I might be working with you and your team because you might have been, you know, might have needed a bit of a reset and there might have been lots of things going on and we do some great work together. But then I walk away and three months later, I come back and things are back where they were. So um, for me, I was really interested in how we use technology and AI to actually enable um, me to start that work and for you to sustain it and self-manage it as a team. The other area which is quite frustrating is I think that for practitioners like myself, we get brought in for the top end of the team, you know, the top teams. And it's actually our front facing teams, you know, it's those out on the floor that are actually um, are not a need support that aren't getting it. So I was also interested in how do we use technology to scale our solutions and make them accessible to everyone in, in coaching, they call it democratizing coaching, you know, it's, it's about having that accessible. And the third aspect, so there was sort of the multi-layered intention really is the data we get about workforce is usually quite ordinary, even pitiful, you know, we do engagement surveys, you know, by the time we get the data is three months old, we go back and we find out why is communication's gone, gone down and they said, oh, it's fine now, you know, Paul's left, he was the problem, you know, so, so we get this lag data. Um, we also, um, for the, you know, the softer skill stuff that I work in, you know, return on investment's quite hard to, to define. So I was really interested in, you know, getting team-based data, that's really powerful. And so what Click does is it enables teams to self-manage identifying the psychosocial hazards, determining the priority of which one they should be dealing with first. It gives them diagnostics and a process using an app to meet and discuss and find solutions to that hazard, and then they put the solutions into the app. So it's a self-managed identification working on it. it. uses coaching methodology. It's very strengths-focused. And also it collects great data. It collects your team resilience, your um, psych psychological safety, your well-being, the impact of your solutions. And then if you could imagine that your team and my team and Fred's team and George's team and Jane's team are all doing this. 
we have this organizational data, which is incredible for strategic risk management, because we have a line aside of everything that's going on under the surface. Instead of the symptoms, we've got the sources, but we know the teams have already got it. They've already, they've already working on that. You know, they've identified it, they're working on it. We can share solutions. We've got a line aside on well-being, a line aside on resilience, a line aside of impact. Um, so at a team level, we're getting on with it because we know the work best. You know, there's no point, you know, HR telling us what to do. We know the work best. We know what's going to work. You're empowering us. But at an um, organizational level, you're getting really meaningful analytics. So they were the drivers for me. Let's let's work on how we can use AI and technology to have better conversations around the things that matter most to us in our team, in our shop, in our environment, in our store, in our back-end corporate, um, you know, call center or, or uh, corporate support services. But let's also measure, you know, because yeah, so that's what Click's about. That's quite hard to explain, but yeah. that's in a nutshell. <laughs> and, and so from an organisational point of view, am I sensing that it's sort of enabling you to get ahead and maybe see some areas of the business that are going to, you know, the pressure's building, they need some more coaching around resilience. Do I do I get a, a sort of an overview of, of everybody that's feeding in and um, and then you can plan and uh, and then your feedback about, okay, maybe we need some extra help in this area or or that area is it going to give me that that overview on the business definitely and i think that's what one of the areas that people in culture have been really excited about is you know quite often you'll roll out a program right across the whole organization so for example you know in your environment you might need to do some training on diffusion for example you know diffusing you know aggressive customers um, this can tell you whether or not, you know, whether that's worthwhile or not, you know, I mean, some, you know, it, it, I think the generic roll it out to everyone, number one, we haven't got the money, number two, we haven't got the time, number three, by the time I get to Team Z, you know, the issue's gone away, it's very much enables you to say, with our limited organization development resources, exactly as you said, where do we put our attention? Let the teams self-lead what they can do without help and let's actually organize our organizational limited resources to support the pieces who need our help rather than this one size fits all um so really and i'm really passionate about that because i mean i you know what my interest in team resilience came from looking at teams in the same environment with the same system pressures why is that team okay and that team isn't with the same challenges? What's the magic? What's the secret source? And how do we equip all teams that need it with the secret source so that they can be the best they can be in the system? And, and I try not to use the word thrive because I think it's really hard to thrive at the moment. It's about how we can be the best, <laughs> have the best relationship with the challenges we have. We're not going to get rid of the aggressive customers. We're not going to get rid of our supply chain issues. We're not going to get rid of bosses from hell. But how do we have a healthier relationship with those? It's really, you know, I think it's a bit sad, really, but I'm, I'm, I've gone from thriving to that sort of um, goal, if you like. But, but that is the reality, isn't it, that, that people yeah. are So I'm interested, is there, you know, for, for business leaders, is there flags, pointers, markers, that you think leaders should be most aware of 
around resilience that would indicate they have an issue if i'm sat there you know running the organization you know what and and you say oh if you look for x y and z then you've probably got something that needs a, addressing i'm just interested how you take somebody from on the journey to 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 start to implement some kind of training for for the team so the first thing i would say is that resilience for me is a prevention strategy it's about it's about how do we be as adapting and proactive in our environment right now so it is about prevention it's about everyone and everything if you put in place these strategies and behaviors then when things go wrong you're not going to go down the dip quite as much but if you want indicators when you're in trouble they're the traditional ones they're the think with your feet we're losing people and of course we have an environment at the moment particularly talent they'll walk okay so the thinking with their feet I've had enough of this I don't get paid to put up with this I'm out of here so we've got the retention of course at the other side we've got um, increasing levels of stress and burnout and both of those factors have such a huge impact on bottom line because you know if you look at the cost of turnover if you look at the cost of stress claims which I think your audience you know Cal society would be you know be able to put a more accurate view on this but four to five times of you know back injury for a stress claim they're enormous costs to the business so yes you can wait until, <laughs> until you know you're in trouble to say we need resilience but I you know for me this is about how do we set in place ways of working individually as a leader and as a team which is what our toolkit's all about to recognize this is tough it's not easy and we need to be able to work together on the processes and the behaviors and the relationships that are going to help us best recognizing it's tough and and how far and wide you know this awareness of you know needing an understanding of resilience do you think yeah i mean you you see this day in day out are we going to reach the point where this just becomes another ongoing aspect of business as usual are you seeing a a, a thread where this is just going to become the smart thing to do and those that aren't addressing it are going to be the odd one out is, is that where we're going with this I think so I mean if you think about the um the emergence of organizational resilience you know so you know that essentially are people who have worked in cyber security or health and safety risk management I mean they've come together under that umbrella recognizing that the resilience of organizations is absolutely critical so there's a huge emerging isn't there industry around that this is the workforce sub part of that so it's actually no different and it is really really critical we might not always call it resilience and I mean I think the fact that it was such a popular word and people have very narrow versions of it like being bounced back or not being tough enough and so on I think that I, I we do um have um pushback around the word sometimes when we talk about it in relation to people but for me when I talk about resilience I am talking about how do we sustain our performance and well-being in the face of disruption and change and demands you know so you can call it whatever you like but essentially that's what it is is 
this disruption, as you said earlier, Paul, is here to stay. You know, we've got a bit of a way to go on that. We need to work on how we can have work practices that actually enable us to manage that rather than say, we'll wait till things go wrong and then we'll try and rebuild. And it's interesting. You know, why wouldn't you want to maintain performance uh, across the business and for your individuals and for your people in the business, given the environment at the minute? When you explain it like that, it's almost as obvious as turning the lights on in your retail store in the morning. It's kind of, you know, if you can't see mm -hmm. what's going on, you're not going to be mm -hmm. able to get the cash registers ringing if you've got a dark store. And if you've got dark personnel or dark procedures, then you're going to have those challenges. So, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, you know, this is an evolution and a process for conversations I think everybody's been having uh, for some time. You and your you know, expertise have been working away and, and there seems to be a coming together of great practice and processes that has been developed from experts like you and a need in, in the workplace. And it does feel as if they're coming together um, and there's a benefit on both sides. So, um, yeah, I think um, I think you're going to be kept busy for the foreseeable future as more organisations lean in and, and think that they need this. Sounds good to me. <laughs> so, um, and talking about that, and, and I'm interested what 2024 looks like for you personally in the business, but I know I'm thrilled that you're going to be joining us at Retail Risk Sydney on the 29th of February at the Accor Stadium, the Olympic Stadium in Sydney, where we're going to see you in person for anybody that's uh, that's going to be there. What can people expect from you on the day? And then how does that tie in with, with what the rest of the year looks like? Yeah, so so I, I think that personally in business is actually also quite a nice um, uh, focus for the, the conference in Sydney as well, because I will be talking in the presentation more around disruption and the concept of collective resilience and, you know, what we need to be doing. But in the roundtable, it will be an opportunity for people to reflect very much personally on where are they at, <laughs> you know, how are they traveling with their resilience and to reflect on their team, you know, to have an opportunity to look at, um, you know, our model and look at, well, what are the strengths I can celebrate and what are the areas as a team we might need to be focusing on a little bit more and if we then extrapolate that to me and in, as you asked you know personally where am I going and business-wise where I'm going I mean personally the journey simply continues I mean I'm very very privileged to have a role that does good in the world you know I mean what we do is we touch people's lives every day and so you know I'm also very privileged to be able to be supporting a very large network of people who do that so so that's the personal journey and then the business one is very much around this scaling this um making it accessible getting better data you know that is is all about click and really really um excited about the possibilities of getting industry data. So you can imagine if we have lots of industry data on retail, we'll be able to predict when you go through um, store closures or when you go through a natural disaster where your stores have been flooded as we have frequently in Australia, you'll be able to predict the flow and effect to your people and your teams and the solutions that people have used previously that work. You know, so there's a beautiful um, prevention piece 
when we start to get really meaningful data, I think. So so I'm I'm really excited that if you know we can get world domination in click in retail, that you know, we might we might be able to offer some amazing um preventative strategies, which fit so perfectly with risk management, of course. Yeah, the whole mantra there is to get ahead of the problem and you know foresee mm. the risk. So um yeah, I think uh you know it's it's right conversation, right time, and as you collect that information. You know, it, it's it's the right information that's going to go out into the industry as well. So uh, um, I'm absolutely thrilled uh, that you're going to be with us in person in Sydney. I'm delighted that you and I will get to to meet in person as well. Um, oh, you're going to be there. I didn't realise that's fantastic. I Wonderful. will be there uh, as well. So um, but for now, Catherine, absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for for that run through today. It has been superb. And as I say, we'll see you in person in a few weeks uh, in Sydney. But for now, thank you very much indeed. An absolute pleasure. Thank you.